Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, today, my guest is Evan Van Ness. Uh, he's a writer for a publication called WeekInEthereum.com. He's also a member of Consensus. Evan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thanks. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So um, let's start with the uh, the newsletter. Week in Ethereum. So it sounds like, uh, you know, what happened this week in Ethereum. And I'm, I guess all the associated tokens, perhaps. But uh, tell me, why, why did you start writing it and what subjects do you cover? Yeah, well, I've told a lot of different stories about why I started it. <laughs> but um, I, I was having... I was having, I saw a little bit of a need. I mean, there was no really good comprehensive review for, for Ethereum news. Um, so I thought that was a need. But I was also, I was just having like some of the same conversations with my friends. And so I said like, you know, I'm going to start a newsletter and like read my newsletter. And then we'll at least like start from the same, same place conversation <laughs> when we, when we have our, our chats and whatever about this stuff. So that's, I started it. I had six people, I think, before I sent out the first issue and maybe even five. And then I did somebody, one of them put it on Reddit. Um, and it, it like a hundred some people signed up. So wow. the next issue had 110 or something. So it just has grown from there. Are you, um, do you have an approximate amount of readers? Are you up to like thousands yet or where are you at approximately? Yeah, I have about 3,500 subscribers at the moment and about probably about the same number, sometimes significantly more, come and visit on a weekly basis, like unique unique visitors on the web. Cause That's a lot. It's, it's, it's a newsletter, but it's, you know, it's, I'll put the, new, the archives on the web as well. So some people just prefer to get it by RSS. Gotcha. So, yeah, how long have you been doing it for? Uh, almost Almost a year. So I'm hoping that I get to. Uh, I'm hoping I get to 3,650, so that when I hit a year, I can say I had more than 10 a day. Yeah, nice. Okay. So yeah, tell me about some of the subjects that you cover. You know, maybe um, recent articles that really interested you, or ones that just got a lot of attention for some reason. Yeah, it's it attempts to just be a a, a weekly. You know, like everything. Essentially everything that somebody would need to to you know so that they don't have to pay attention to the space um, you know aside from what they happen to see on you know Reddit or Twitter or whatever um, but they can be confident that they didn't miss anything important that happened in Ethereum and the overall ecosystem. So of course with with token sales right now that means that a, a decent chunk of it does end up being 
the what is happening in these sales and the marketing for these sales leading up to them and and things of that nature. Any, um, you know, like out of all the articles you published, what, what do you think is the one that got the most interest or was the most controversial? Well, they are, you know, they're, they're weekly newsletters, so they're not necessarily controversial. Um, I, you know, I tend to, since it's weekly, I tend not to put too much commentary in. I actually have had people ask me to put more commentary in, so I'm starting to do a little bit more of that. But, um, so for instance, with the SEC decision recently, I, I wrote a mm-hmm. decent, decent bit about that. So maybe that was, I don't know if, if anything I wrote was controversial, but I got a lot of good feedback on uh, you should provide more commentary. So I'm doing that now. So you're more reporting on the news, but maybe not, uh, you know, editorializing on it, providing your opinions as much. I mean, I do try to provide some context for things, but it tends to, you know, my my readership is, is a lot of people who are already pretty well versed in Ethereum. So they... Mm-hmm. they they might be coders, they might be founders of projects, they might be just somebody who holds um, whatever. Right. So, but the people tend to be fairly, fairly knowledgeable about the subject, and it's it's not really aimed at. Uh, I mean, I I have some friends that you know use it as a way to like get knowledgeable about Ethereum, but okay, it does require a certain base of knowledge, I think, in order to really get the most out of because you know. Provide links to, you know, all sorts of complicated things about the protocol and gotcha. coding and whatnot. You're like curating information on the Ethereum ecosystem and putting it in one place so people can digest it easily. That's what it sounds like. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So like the readers digest for Ethereum. Essentially. So yeah, because you have this perspective on Ethereum, I, I would think you have, um, you know, maybe like a thirty thousand foot view of what's going on more than other people. So what are some of the things you're seeing happening in the Ethereum ecosystem that people should be on the lookout for? Anything exciting coming or potential problems or, you know, maybe we can delve into a few issues. Yeah, I would say the the first thing is is um venture capital is being disrupted. You know, you you I saw somebody tweet that you now for VCs, you know, and for entrepreneurs really like the the excitement in entrepreneurship and tech and in the tech world is, is really in, in this space now. Um, and let's like it, and it's an attractive way to raise money because the valuations are fantastic <laughs> at the moment. I don't know if that's going to hold forever. Um, but, right. uh, I, you know, some people have put together stats, which I think, you know, can be somewhat misleading and, you know, it depends on exactly how the data was put together, but saying that there's more, more money being raised in token sales right now than in all of venture capital deals. So, you know, this, this is actually, it's surprisingly the first industry that, you know, it seems like blockchains are disrupting is actually venture capital. Yeah, that's kind and of I think funny. that's great because it makes capital much more available, particularly across geographical barriers. I think it's the big one. So what do you think is going to happen with the, uh, the SEC uh, decision on on ICOs, you know, doesn't seem to dampen enthusiasm as ICOs coming out, you know, every single day. Do you think there's a big shakeup coming or what, what's your gut feel on what's going to happen? Yeah, I, the, you know, the, it, it, they didn't really say anything that was particularly surprising uh, in that they said that, you know, a token could be a security and they're going to use the Howey test, um, which is, you know, definitely not a surprise. But, I, they didn't really provide a lot of guidance on 
how that will be applied, right? So I think really right. we will see what they actually meant by it when there is the first enforcement action. So there's like some actual scammers out there that they could go after. And like those are low hanging fruit. I'm a little surprised they haven't gone after them already. Mm-hmm. And like those, that would that would send a certain message like, you know, hey, we're going to clean up like the really bad actors in this space first. Um, right. you, they could also go after like shady people who I won't name any names, but there are definitely some people out there who put their own interests above above the people that they're asking for money. And you right. know, that doesn't necessarily sit well with me. And then, you know, they could also like go after like legit people, like the people that are trying to do things and like break the Howie test and do things in a compliant way. And, you know, they could go after those people, too. And that would essentially send a message that they, you know, they think everything is a security, essentially, which I would argue it's not. I think most lawyers in this space would argue that, it's, it, that you know, you can definitely break the Howey test. But, you know, we, we don't really have clear guidance from the SEC yet on what they're going to do. But yeah, I think it's a shame because, you know, the U.S. is losing a little bit of its Doric dominance in in tech entrepreneurship and in and, and startups you know a lot of these a lot of projects you know that might have come to america are are not coming here and some of that is just the nature of, of the game right of decentralization but it's also just legal and regulatory uncertainty you know why would you incorporate in delaware when you can incorporate in switzerland of course you know the sec still has a pretty long arm of enforcement but just in general, people are are doing their not their best, but I mean, there's definitely definitely certain, definitely plenty of projects decide to go elsewhere instead of coming to America. What do you think about a uh, Filecoin? They're doing their ICO, but it's only to accredited investors. Do you think that's just the start of more um, token sales going that way, or do you think they're just an outlier that's trying to be more careful or do it right? Uh, you know, I think everybody should try to be compliant. I think until we get clear guidance, it's, and, you know, it's un- unclear as to whether, you know, everything needs to be limited to accredited investors because it is a security or whether, you know, you can break Howie by having a utility token, um, like a, an actual usage for your for your token. Uh, and it's a, like a it's like buying a token at Chuck E. Cheese, right? Like for the the use of the Chuck E. Cheese network. <laughs> I don't I don't have I don't have any like clairvoyance on on what the SEC will do. I think you know some of the bigger projects will tend to be more conservative, and IPFS Filecoin is one of the bigger projects. So if you are going to raise a ton of money, then you're naturally going to be one of the people that is kind of sticking their head out your head out. So you want to be on the conservative side so that regulator does not choose to make an example out of you. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Uh, anything that you've written about that uh, surprises you as to the controversy around it or the response? You know, what do you see people are interested in more than other things? And is it surprising to you what they're interested in? I'm all, I mean, I, I'm surprised every week by uh, who click like, you know, the, what, what gets the most clicks. It's never like what I would have necessarily assumed. Uh, I don't know if that's, if that's a good answer to your question. I don't know that there's any like overriding theme to it though. Yeah. There's any particular issue. If not, then, you know, um, no, not one, no. one thing I want to ask you, do you keep tabs on the uh, Ethereum classic and, how does the Ethereum community perceive Ethereum Classic? Do they just ignore it? I've always been curious about that. Yeah, 
I, I don't really keep tabs on Ethereum Classic. I would say that in general, the Ethereum community tends to ignore Ethereum Classic. It, it, I mean, part of the problem is the innovation is happening in Ethereum, not Ethereum Classic. So gotcha. uh, it, it ends up being, you know, not a bad thing if they do like a good, it ends up being a good thing if they do, you know, make different design decisions, choose different ways of implementing the EVM or whatever in the future. Potentially, like those are learnings that can be applied to Ethereum. Um, but I mean, and I think they are starting to do some of that, but to the to date, they haven't done too much of that. It's been a little bit more just getting upset about the DAO fork. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, how about the uh, the ERC twenty tokens? Um, are there any that the Ethereum community loves or supports or is more interested in than others? Or, you know, what's the opinion on the inside of the proliferation of, um, you know, all the ERC-20 tokens and ICOs using Ethereum smart contracts to fund the ICOs? Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I have any, any great insight into that aside from, like, going to, to see what the market cap of these tokens are and, and see, you know, like, I'd say that's, like, the best best view of popularity that you can you can have essentially um it's i mean it's amazing how many tokens there are and how many projects are able to successfully raise money or to, to fund themselves um but i don't know if you know it's it, there's so many now that i don't know if there's any particular thing that stands out as 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 surprising or particularly supported by the community okay they're trying to be a I guess agnostic and not show favoritism to any uh, particular token. Me or the community? <laughs> oh, the community. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking you for your observations because, again, I just see you as like, you know, this big flaming eye in the sky that sees more than, than other people see because your whole job is to curate what's going on. So I ask you all the questions in that vein, you know, not necessarily personal yeah, opinion, yeah. but just what are you what are you seeing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I the, I just think that it generally tends to be the ones with interest. You know, people tend to buy them, and so they tend to have higher market cap. So, right. that yeah, I don't know if I could give you like a better answer than just saying what's on quit market cap for. Yeah, no problem. What about um Ethereum's roadmap? You know, do you have any insights into how they're executing and any upcoming um, developments that are particularly interesting or unknown by you know? Maybe pe- people outside uh, the inner circle of Ethereum. Um, yeah, I mean, they're they're it's all available on on GitHub, but yeah, I mean, it does take some work in order to to to, to filter through all that, and that that's definitely part of what the newsletter is about. Uh, I would say that you know the big thing right now is is getting ready for the Metropolis hard fork, which now appears to be most likely to be uh, two hard forks. So they're going to do sort of the the stuff that's ready first, and then save some of the other stuff for for later. Um, one of those things will will most likely include a a, a reduction in issuance to to miners. So right now the the award for mining a block in Ethereum is is five ether, and basically it'll be re, it'll be reduced to three, and there will also be sort of a a reset. Uh, in terms of difficulty, so it actually probably won't be any net reduction to miners because it got it's gotten a lot more difficult to mine a block. So right. um, on a on a overall to miners, it won't end up being that much different, but it'll be different from a from a per block standpoint. Um, but there's a lot of interesting interesting stuff coming in Metropolis beyond you know stuff like mining fees. There's an abstraction to basically 
right now addresses in Ethereum are treated as either like addresses or as a contract. And basically, mm-hmm. one of these things will to be to treat them all as contract. Another is, is there's some privacy improvements because that's absolutely like, um, you know, one of the big problems with Ethereum at the moment is privacy and really almost all blockchains except for the ones focused on privacy. So that, that that's pretty exciting stuff. And uh, it'll also, you know, lay the groundwork for, you know, the, the roadmap to scalability. So when you say uh, Metropolis is going to be a series of two hard forks, is there any uh, danger of, uh, you know, more Ethereum classic type tokens being spun off and surviving? Or you think it's going to be pretty clean? And Yeah, I don't think so. I would be surprised if there was any. But yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it's controversial enough. All the all the people that were, I don't know, wanted to leave already left. The people that really like mining tended to leave and go support Ethereum Classic. It tended to be a little bit more of the ideological people, like politically ideological, rather than sort of interested and focused on the tech. I would say so. They're they're happy. They're going to keep proof of work. I think forever is the Ethereum Classic goal. Whereas Ethereum is is going to move into proof of stake. And you know, hopefully, hopefully, become a much more scalable chain in order to achieve the larger, you know, Web three vision. When do you guess that um, proof of stake will be implemented? How long do you think it may take? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hazard a guess as to that. Uh, <laughs> it's you know, this is complicated computer science, um, and I'm not the one doing the work. And you know, estimating right. estimating delivery dates is complicated. So I will, I'll pawn on that question. Okay, no, that's fine, no problem. All right, um, and then with your work at Consensus, um, what what kind of work are you doing there? What are you engaged in? Yeah, so I am uh, my my first project at Consensus is actually going to be to to have a daily newsletter. So I'm gonna basically take what I do on a weekly basis and and chop it up into daily bits and send it out daily. And I will probably also do some pitching in on on the consulting side, as you know, Consensus is describes itself as a, a venture production studio. So, you know, there's sort of three things that it it does. One is sort of you know Consensus Enterprise, which is helping companies um, get you know think about how they can use blockchain and put Ethereum into production. And another is the venture production part of funding you know projects that are building things on Ethereum. And, you know, the third is sort of infrastructure. So stuff like, you know, like a MetaMask kind of kind of thing. So well, now that yeah, I'm excited to be full time. Um, it sounds like you'll be closer and you'll, you know, you'll to what's going on with the various projects. Um, are you going to be reporting or have a special section on projects that are in various stages of development? I don't, I don't really do that on the weekly. And I don't know if, if that would make sense on like the, the, the daily either. Um, I tend to uh, include people's updates rather than since I'm curating, I don't actually like go out and try to like report on, you know, I don't know where, where they are, how far the sub project is from getting to their beta from their alpha or getting to, you know, a public release. So you said feedback from readers has been, they want to hear more of uh, your opinion, you know, and your take on things. So perhaps that would be something to test with your readers to see if they'd be interested on project updates, or maybe that's an area you don't want to touch. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I think, you know, with, with doing it daily as well, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity to experiment and do a lot of different things and see what works and, you know, see what people get the most value out of. Do you feel like there's enough news to go daily or are you going to be um, scrambling for things to write about? 
or are you, or is it the opposite? Is it is there so much that it's overwhelming? I mean, I would say the weekly can be a little bit overwhelming. I, you know, I want to keep it to a reasonable length, but also, you know, my goal is to, like I said, to to have it be possible that you could essentially not pay any attention to the news, but focus entirely on your project, but still by reading the newsletter and clicking some links, like be be up to date on the stuff you want to be up to date on. Right. And are you uh, monetizing the newsletter or is it free? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a free newsletter. I do have a, a sponsor for the last few months. Um, the, their logo is up in the top of the newsletter. Uh, status is the, the sponsor. So they had a token sale maybe a month or two ago. And it's a, right. a you know a mobile browser. It's essentially like a a Ethereum on your phone, and building out a um, an ecosystem around around that. So I'm pretty excited about that project. So it was great to have them right. want to sponsor me. Very exciting. Are you looking for other sponsors? You know, perhaps listeners uh, would be interested in sponsoring your newsletter. Uh, you, you know, I I'm definitely not opposed to to people. Proposing things, I would say that I've tended to say no to most of the offers that I've I've gotten. Um, I'm sort of picky about it, and I'm not trying to maximize ad revenue out of the newsletter. So, mm. um, I, like for example, you know, with with token sales taking off, like some people like want to like, you know, sponsor the newsletter, or do something like that, like the week before their token sale, right. and like that's just not like you know, and they're willing to pay like ridiculous money sometimes, but that's just not something that I find particularly interesting. So. I would say no to that, something like that. Okay. Well, what would make a good sponsor that you would be possibly interested in entertaining? What are you looking for in uh, someone that you'd want to partner with? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I if I have any great criteria, but you know, I like I said, I'm not trying to like maximize the the, the ad dollars out of it. I care more about it being useful to the community. So I don't know somebody that I probably felt like was was a great a great project, but that did need a little bit more, you know, promotion or whatever, um, that would be yeah. something I'd consider. Okay. And then last question. So how can um, people join your newsletter? Where can they find it and how can they sign up for it? Sure. It's weekinethereum.com and it's there's a sign-up link on the bottom of it and it comes out every, usually it's Monday night these days. So you, do, you do a physical newsletter? Is it is it just uh, electronic, or do you do a physical newsletter as well that you mail out to people? It, it, it is it's email only, or getting it okay. on RSS. RSS, right? Okay, well, very good, uh, Evan. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, and uh, you know, I'm glad that there's people like you doing these uh, weekly curations and recaps. Because it's uh, you know, to someone that's an outsider, it's, it seems very overwhelming to even contemplate all the articles and read them. So it's good to find digests like this. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate, appreciate you having me. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, a 
Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.